Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have a very unique guest. She teaches people how to get into the media, both traditional media like TV, radio, print, and also new media such as podcasts, video casts, and also um, uh, blogs, etc. So we're going to be finding out from Bela about her background as a writer and then how she got into this whole uh, industry of teaching others how to get into the media. And that's certainly something I'm super passionate about as a travel writer. Uh, now we're doing our world tour uh, with, uh, with my wife and three kids. And uh, I think that's newsworthy. And uh, unfortunately, I haven't been getting into the news enough. I did get featured a couple times this week, uh, both on Global News, which is a, a major Canadian outlet, and also an, another website picked me up as one of the top uh, 10 Twitter um, um, users in Canada. So that cool, two cool uh, media features this wow. week. But definitely, I know I could be doing more. And you as a listener and viewer, I hope you get a lot of value and content from Bela's wealth of experience and expertise in the area of media. So uh, Bela is actually the president of an organization I'm part of called the British Columbia Association of Travel Writers. We'll touch on that as well uh, uh, for people interested in these kind of associations that help travel writers uh, get published and uh, get media trips, et cetera. Um, and we'll find out about Bela's own travels and she'll give some great insights into how to get your own story into the media. So Bela, uh, to start off with, why didn't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got into travel writing and the media? So um, I guess you could say I was always interested in things like politics and news and was always watching those kind of uh, news magazine stories and investigative news stories and so when I had the opportunity, I just went and started studying journalism. Um, I was kind of a natural writer. I like to write a lot. I love writing stories, uh, nonfiction stories, so not like novels, but you know, uh, things that had to do like essays and so on, politics and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to school actually in Montreal, even though I live in Vancouver now. Um, and right after graduation, I was basically. Uh, picked to come in and start doing research for CBC television, the, the local TV station in Montreal. And since then I've been working, uh, was working in television and radio, and then I moved to Edmonton to work in radio, and then I moved to Vancouver and I worked in radio. And then I decided to uh, go back to print and, and worked as a print journalist and then um, became an editor. And I found that as an editor, I really kind of fell into my niche. Like I really love reading people's stories and editing them and fine tuning them and assigning stories and deciding what was going to be in the content of whether it was a newspaper or magazines or special editions, whatever we were doing. And that's what an editor does. All kind of all those different jobs from thinking up ideas for stories to assigning the reporters to uh, editing the stories, to layout, uh, proofreading, all that kind of stuff. And so that took me pretty well through to about three years ago. And my last uh, job, I was at a newspaper in Vancouver called Business in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So a lot of material on business. And what was really interesting is how few people knew that this newspaper actually published about 12 magazines. And every time I mentioned the name of a magazine to somebody, they had never heard of it because it, it came in the body of the newspaper. It wasn't something you would find in a magazine rack. And this is something a lot of people don't know about, where you have publishing houses that have one sort of uh, keystone newspaper or publication that everybody knows about, but then they always have or very often have many other different publications. And so one of the ways to really... Um, spread the opportunities that you would have getting into media is actually learning about all those magazines. Anyway, so I was at Business Vancouver a few years ago and I started, uh, I got an email from somebody who was pitching a story and it, it was just like a big paragraph of text and I just said, you know, I need to show this guy and in fact I need to show small businesses the appropriate way to pitch to an editor. And, and, and the same thing for a producer on television or radio or an online publisher. It's a little different when you get into podcasts because it's a different format, obviously. But essentially, the basics are there. 
you want to present something that you have knowledge of and make sure that whoever you're pitching to is is in that genre that they're going to be interested in what you have and being able to see that media outlet kind of like a client that you're trying to um you're trying to pitch to just like you would pitch a product. You need to know their needs and figure out how you can fulfill on those needs. And that's what I teach. The long-winded version. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. No, I mean, uh, it was great to hear your backstory about all of these different uh, media outlets that you worked uh, in and for. Uh, you've literally um, made your way across Canada uh, working for all the different major media outlets. Uh, so, Bela, uh, to start off with, why don't we hear a little bit about your passion for travel? You've traveled quite extensively. You are the president of the British Columbia Association of Travel Writers. So tell yeah. us a little bit about your uh, travels in the past and some of your favorite destinations so far. Yeah, so um, as a, a journalist at a small newspaper, it's, you, you get the chance to do a lot of different things. And this goes back uh, maybe 15 years. I started doing small travel pieces around British Columbia. And then when the opportunity came up, I started reaching out and answering, um, you know, uh, when you would have a, an advisory, a press release, or uh, a travel association that was putting on a fam tour and inviting journalists to go, I would always take advantage of it. So um, some of the places I've been um, to Israel, I used to work at a Jewish newspaper, so Israel was a common destination. So I've been on several trips there. And so pretty much travel the, the country top to bottom. Um, I actually took a long, uh, a long time, about six months. Well, compared to what you're doing, it's not that long, but for me, it was a long time. So I took six months to backpack through Southeast Asia, and for, that was probably uh, the highlight of uh, my travel so far. I spent a long time in Laos, uh, also traveling the country north to south, going where uh, most visitors don't go. I'm very much somebody who likes to go off on my own, and in fact, I have no problem just setting out by myself and, and traveling anywhere. It, it gets kind of challenging, and uh, when, I, when I was traveling through China, I went overland from Laos to China, which practically nobody does, uh, but it was so cool to, to see how that was actually done, and uh, ended up in places where nobody spoke English, and so there was... Uh, and this wasn't in the day where you have, we now have the automatic translators, which I think I'm going to go by <laughs> as soon as I can. Um, yeah, so really for me, being more adventurous, getting out and, and getting to know people directly, uh, because I was actually a lone traveler, I think a lot of locals invited me into their homes more and showed me around more. And so you you really get to see a lot more of the, the real culture places where other people wouldn't normally go or be taken. Uh, I got to see some fabulous rituals. Um, uh, I don't know where else. Oh, I was in, in Indonesia a couple of years ago and another fam tour there. And uh, it was interesting. This just today I was listening to City Line, well, it's a local TV show, and they were talking about favorite travel destinations. And I think my or it wasn't favorite, it was the most beautiful places that you've stayed. That's what it was. And there was a, a hotel uh, just outside of, um, uh, well, in Indonesia, just outside of the capital, on the edge of a golf course. And it was, it was like fit for a, you know, a king. It was the most stunning grounds. It was the most beautiful pool. Uh, you could get a full body massage for an hour for $13. And of course, the food was fabulous. So definitely one of my uh, one of my favorites there. Um, and Cuba a couple of years ago, I think that will always be a really favorite spot for me. And uh, just fabulous culture, really beautiful, beautiful uh, city. Uh, Havana was just an amazing city. So much history there. So um, yeah, I don't uh, don't know. I've got a lot of, a long list, uh, <laughs> but I think. Probably Laos and uh, Cuba recently are my most favorite destinations so far. 
I absolutely love Lao. Uh, I was actually over there about 10 years ago when I was single and married without kids. I did a backpacking trip around uh, Southeast Asia and I went to Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia. And definitely Lao really stands out uh, for me personally in terms of people, the culture, uh, a little bit of lack of tourists as opposed to Thailand, which is a tourist saturation, Indonesia, Bali, very uh, a lot of tourists, Vietnam as well, uh, Cambodia obviously with Angkor Wat, a lot of tourists, but Lao is this hidden gem. So. Highly recommended if you haven't been. Uh, so, Bela, now you're actually the president of an organization that I'm part of called the British Columbia Association of Travel Writers. In short, the acronym is BCATW. And uh, there are all these organizations similar to that in pretty much all the different provinces in Canada and also all the different states in the US and uh, pretty much anywhere in the world. Uh, there are associations, organizations uh, where travel bloggers, travel journalists, travel media can connect. A network, learn from each other. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about the uh, organization that you're heading up uh, called uh, British Columbia Association of Travel Writers. Yeah, so um, our main goal is to support those people in travel communications. Uh, so whether you're writing for magazines or newspapers, whether you're doing podcasts, whether you're doing um, video as you travel, whether you're a photographer, anybody in that realm who's interested in travel within the British Columbia area. So we don't just cover British Columbia stories, we actually travel around the world. But our goal is to support people who are interested in learning more about how to pitch to media, interested in getting contact, interested in learning more about how to write. So we have monthly meetups. Uh, it's education-based, so we always have a, a speaker come in to talk about a different aspect of travel writing or blogging or what have you. Uh, we do a lot of information about social media with regards to travel. And we also have, uh, for our meetups sometimes, we actually have experiential tours in the city. So if there's a tour group that wants to take some people around, it's free because you're part of the PC Association of Travel Writers, as long as you write something about it uh, on your own blog or, or in a media outlet. And we have an annual symposium that usually takes place in April or May where we get people from the industry. So it could be editors of travel magazines, it could be people in the PR industry, it could be representatives of travel associations who talk about what they're looking for in coverage, it could be people from a destination travel location. So anybody that's going to really uh, augment the experience and help people break into the field or generate more leads or you know whatever it is uh, in terms of how we can support travel media that's what we're there to do yeah definitely a fantastic organization uh, not just because I'm a part of it but uh, really I found I got a lot of valuable insights and info. I was originally just a travel uh, blogger and then I learned all about how to get myself published and uh, really learning from all the experienced uh, published travel writers in the group and highly recommended if you're in the British Columbia region and if you're not uh, there is probably a similar organization in most major states and uh, provinces in Canada, US and beyond. Uh, so yeah. Bela, yeah go on. One more thing because a lot of people after they've traveled they want to write a book. So we also have book writers in our travel association and so we have people who can talk about how specifically to get published if you're interested in doing a travel book. Awesome, awesome. Uh, we're actually going to be interviewing uh, Ruth uh, who has uh, actually published several books and she's also part of the same organization. So stay tuned <laughs> for that interview. Uh, uh, Bela, I'm really interested in terms of how you got into uh, specifically this whole area of getting people into the media. You do it obviously uh, like through one-on-one, but also you do small group training either in person or online. Uh, you know, people can pretty much join uh, your uh, workshops uh, from anywhere around the world. So tell us a little bit about uh, what, uh, what is the business that you run there. So yeah, as I mentioned, I saw when I was an editor that a lot of small businesses were trying to pitch stories directly because PR companies are very expensive. They'll charge three, four, five thousand dollars a month just to start, and they'll usually ask for a six-month commitment. And very often, you may not be their priority. So if they've got seven or eight clients, and you see something like a trend or a news item happening, and you think maybe you should pitch to uh, a media outlet. They won't necessarily do that right away. 
So I wanted to show businesses that they can actually take charge of their own media outreach. So I developed basically a five-step system that takes you from identifying what your story is and identifying what media is interested in all the way to pitching and follow-up. So I do this through online courses. I Every two months I have a new six-week course that I start and it's done online and people do join me from uh, wherever they are in the world. And I also have a three-day workshop usually every two to three months so people can get real hands-on training. Um, during the workshop, we'll review some of the material and then you have to write. Like it's really important that you write your release. We, I teach you how to write a subject line, which a lot of people think is just an easy thing to do and it's not. I teach you how to write the top part of your email. I teach you what to put in the middle of the email and I teach you what's at the bottom of the email. And once you have these set up, you can reuse them to pitch to any different kinds of media outlets. So once you've sort of honed your pitch for radio, you could use it for any radio station. Once you've honed your pitch for a podcast, you can use that for any podcast, just changing the name of the person you're contacting. And yeah, so small businesses come to me and uh, they usually take my courses, but I can work one-on-one -on -one with them as well. Uh, we identify the proper outlets anywhere in the world. So if people are in San Francisco and they need to know like what's a good place, what kind of media outlet should I be in, or if they're in London, if I don't have the information at my fingertips, I'll research the information to find out. So obviously I don't know every media outlet all over the world, which by the way, I'm going to ask you, how many newspapers, just newspapers, community papers do you think are in British Columbia? Oh, uh, I have no idea, but there's so many little towns all over British Columbia. So I would say 100 plus, uh, you know, just a wild guess is over 100. Yeah, so we found a website that actually lists newspapers everywhere in the world based on a live uh, scraping of information from uh, the internet. And the British Columbia list of just newspapers was upwards of 400. That is and amazing, you know, and uh, you know, there's not a lot of people in British Columbia, by the way, there's uh, maybe about three or four or five million, roughly. Yeah, and I, you know, it's something that people are always surprised about because they say, well, you know, isn't it all dying? No, because the small towns and the and larger cities still have newspapers. They still have advertisers wanting to be in newspapers and magazines. They still have people who like to physically hold the magazine and read it, whether you know they're on uh, a bus or they're just relaxing at home. So there are actually new publications that have come out in the last couple of years that people don't know about, including one that I know of that, that prints travel material. So uh, I just find that there's a lot of misinformation. And part of my job is to educate businesses or individuals on what's new and what some of the trends are and, and how they can leverage that to get uh, media coverage for themselves. Awesome. And, uh, you know, on our show, uh, we do, uh, obviously, we do a video cast on YouTube and we also do a podcast on iTunes and Spreaker and all the different podcast directories. And uh, I've actually interviewed over 70 different digital nomads at this point, and we're going to probably hit 100 in the next month or so. Um, I'm going strong with these interviews, uh, pretty much like one or two or three a day. Um, and I've actually been super fascinated by all the stories I'm discovering uh, because I usually find out about these digital nomads on uh, Facebook, on Facebook groups, or uh, just through networking. And I'm really amazed by the fantastic stories that these digital nomads have had. Uh, for example, uh, you know, uh, working in a, in a corporate law firm or working in the stock exchange in New York uh, and then leaving their corporate careers uh, to become freelancers, to become coaches, uh, to start their own e-commerce store and leaving the city the country, the continent, and traveling the world. And uh, I get super inspired, and that's why I keep doing these interviews, to share uh, what I'm finding. Uh, but a lot of the digital nomads, they're not well known. Uh, they have these amazing stories, but nobody or not many people know their stories, unless they're a travel writer, unless they get interviewed by someone like me. Uh, but it would be great if mainstream media, such as TV, um, you know, radio, uh, newspaper, magazines would cover these digital nomads more. So that's part of the reason we brought you on the show, Bela, because you are a subject matter expert authority in the area. So what would you say um, are some common features that digital nomads 
have that they could pitch to um, um, you know an, an editor in any of those media outlets, either traditional or new? Yeah, so um, I, I'm going to use the word editor just because that was my most recent title. But think of this as applying to producers for radio and television as well. We're just talking about a means of communication and content. So it doesn't really matter who you're sending it to. So um, I developed a list of criteria that media looks for. So the first thing you need to know is what does the media outlet you're pitching to, what does it do? So you have to be somewhat familiar with that particular magazine or newspaper so you're not pitching something that they're not going to be able to use. It's a waste of your time and a waste of their time. So the more you can know about the media outlet you're pitching to, especially if it's television, there's so many different places that you can pitch where it'll go to one producer or executive producer or associate producer where you might be aiming at one particular type of TV show. Or similarly, radio stations, of course, have a variety of different programs. If you just send it out you know, to the generic news at radio, it might end up in the news department and never make it to the other programs. So you want to try as much as possible getting to know, even if you just go online and look to see what their programs are, and you might say, oh, okay, this story that I have fits perfectly with that program. So that automatically increases your opportunities by like 150%. Because what you're going to do when you identify that, you put that in the subject line. So uh, let's say you, today I was mentioning there's a show called City Line on city television. Let's say you want to come in as a, somebody who's been traveling the globe. And so if you just pitch to city television without actually knowing where you fit, it, your pitch might go all over the place and it might not land in the right place. So you want to pitch and say a city line story or story for city line in the subject line. So that's just a simple example. But what that'll do is it, it gets to the right place, tells the recipient that you've taken a little time to get to know their media. And that's really important for editors and producers to know, especially if you've seen a show or let's say heard a podcast and you think, well, okay, I can, I can see myself being on that show because of this podcast or this other program that I heard. You can mention it. So, for example, I heard you do a podcast about, you know, this, um, this global traveler. I think I would really be great because I have, you know, similar qualities. If somebody pitched like that to you, then you would, you would know they took the time to listen to the podcast and so they're familiar with your, with your work and presentation so they're not going to be wasting your time. Absolutely. So yeah, so that's key number one. Just try and get to know the media outlet a little bit. Try to find the right station program uh, or if it's a magazine or editor, try and find the right one to pitch to. So then there are a couple ways to be in. You mentioned this person who, or people who might have left a corporate job and started something else, some other kind of uh, uh, consulting or training that they could do globally. Something within that transition itself that's unique. Is there something that they can talk about that they struggled with? Story right there about their reason for just embarking on this desire to be a digital nomad. So right there you can start and ask yourself, is there something that makes people you know, raise their eyebrows? Is there something that really surprises people about my story? A lot of times we don't realize that we have stories, we just live our lives and it's kind of, yeah, yeah, I did that, you know, whatever. And so other, we don't know that other people are like, really, you did that? Like, you know, sometimes I tell people that I traveled on my own and I, I went into Burma, you know, and when I was traveling in Southeast Asia, they're like, why you went, what did you do? Are you crazy? And I had a lot of stories about just what it's like to travel on your own that's distinct distinct from me as opposed to somebody else. So find out that kind of distinctive story in yourself just in terms of, of getting to where you, you got to when you were traveling. Um, the other thing you can look at is are you connected with or following any trends, whether in the types of technology you use or the way that you're doing your global consulting or maybe the actual consulting you're doing like let's say you are a 
somebody who's doing SEO from around the world and you set up, you know, your camp in uh, South America and you're training people in SEO around the world. Well, maybe there's something about SEO that you can talk about and that becomes kind of an angle to get you in. So the media might be interested, like a business media might be interested in talking to you about that. And then you can talk about the fact that you are this global nomad and bring in more elements of your story. Um, also, I make a joke about this, but it's, it's, it's actually, <laughs> actually came up in a story the other day. If you are connected to a trend with a famous celebrity, like, you know, Kim Kardashian or something, okay. if there's something that you are doing mm -hmm. that they're doing too, media loves that, right? So I don't know if there's new gear or something that you're using when you're traveling or uh, a particular interesting thing you you know about your part your core product and Kim Kardashian is using it I don't know if you can connect what you're doing to a, a celebrity trend or a trend that celebrities are participating in media is always interested in that uh, then I would suggest you look at your demographics how old are you are you single are you married do you have children all of these can make for interesting stories if you are a little bit from the crowd so if you are for myself I was a single female traveler so that was something that people were interested in learning about are you somebody who might have uh, are you are you um, differently abled are you a person of color who might be having challenges are myself I mean I'm Jewish I would probably have very significant challenges if I were traveling to certain countries in the world so that might be a very interesting story even when I traveled to Israel, when we came back to Vancouver, I was interviewed by media about what it was like to be there. So, of course, if you are in areas where there is conflict or something interesting cultural, culturally going on, something interesting about the, the country that people might be interested in hearing, that can make a really great story. Uh, where are you from geographically? Now, again, people don't know this. What's it like for somebody who comes from, I don't know, Norway to be traveling in Australia? You know, for somebody in Canada to be traveling in the U.S., you know, not such a big deal. But if you, if you come from a very small town and you're traveling around the world, that's really interesting. Like, what's that like for you? You haven't even lived in a big city. You might be having particular challenges just by that. So take a look at your, the geography of where you come from. Uh, how that influenced you growing up and whether or not that is helping or hindering you in your travels. Maybe it's an advantage, maybe it's a disadvantage. And then kind of connected to that is just your whole cultural experience. The crazy stories of like, oh, okay, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Those are always great stories. And, and I think media is really interested, even if it's just a little clip, like two minutes, where you can say, here are five things not to do when you travel to this particular country, you know, or, or 10 things to watch out for or something to be aware of. You know, I have to say, uh, I was traveling in China prior to the Olympics. I don't know that it would have changed much, but I could have told stories about bathrooms there, like that people would, it would just curl their hair. It was just phenomenal what I experienced. It was just a cultural phenomenon that was very strange and certain things that were very contradictory. And uh, yeah, it would have made for a really great story. It was, I think it was a little bit on the um, too much information side. <laughs> so I, I mean, I posted things, but I didn't, I didn't actually pitch it to media. So uh, those are, I guess, six or seven criteria that you can consider when you're pitching to media. My suggestion is always to pull out things that you feel are not just unique about, wow, that was a, such a cool temple, or wow, that was a really neat hike, but something that has transferable lessons for other people. So it's not just about you. What can you tell other people that will make a difference for them? Editors, producers, we love that. Just like you're interviewing me now and I'm giving lessons for other people, the mainstream media, anytime they can print something or broadcast something that's going to make their viewers, their listeners, their readers stop and take notice, 
that's great for them. So it means you're actually providing value. Uh, I think that's about it. I've covered quite a bit there. <laughs> yeah, you know, a fantastic overview. I love all those criteria, and I could just kind of check them off while you were saying them. I'm sure a lot of our listeners of viewers were kind of like almost filling in those gaps when you were talking. Uh, so, Bela, now in terms of uh, now that they have a unique story angle, uh, who should they actually pitch to? Where do they find that, that person's contact info? And when should they pitch? Uh, because uh, you, like you said, I think, uh, don't just uh, pitch to info at globalnews.com or info at the National Post or CNN. Uh, you need to find the right person, right? Yeah. So there's two ways to do this. So first off, let's say you, are, you have been living in a certain location and you're setting off to a year of travel. Before you go, you want to start doing some research. You could start with Google. LinkedIn is great. If you plug in the name of a media outlet in LinkedIn and look for their employees, you will often see all their employees listed so you can find out who the editor is or who certain journalists are. So do that initial contact before you go and ask them if they would be interested in a story about you and your travel experiences. If you know you're going to be in a specific location, that's great because that makes it easier for you to say, hey, you know what? Six months from now, I'm going to be in, in South Africa. Uh, I'm curious if you might be interested in a story about you know, Canadian making their living while traveling and maybe there's a South African angle. If you are pitching to a travel magazine, a lot of them will be planning a year in advance about what their content is. So if they have a special issue, like the, the island issue or the spa issue or whatever it is, or road trips, you can pitch. It's just called a simple query letter. And I always suggest in the subject line you say, quick question. <laughs> if you have a quick question in the subject line, an editor or producer will be more likely to open it because they know it's not. Mm, that's a good one. And you just say, I have a quick question for you. I'm going to be traveling six months from now. Here are the four or five countries. Do any of those interest you? Are you planning any content? Again, this is for travel media. Would you be planning any content that would relate to those stories? Now, in case they don't know right away, always include your cell phone. I, you, know, you have to be available by cell phone. Or if it's Skype, then your Skype identification, or anything that they can, they can contact you with. Because it's very often the case that editor, editors or producers will not know. And they'll only decide, in some cases, a month or two in advance. Or when you're talking about radio or television, they might decide the week beforehand how they're going to set up a particular program. If they already have your contact information and you've already made yourself available, it's what I call a heads-up pitch. So you're giving media the heads-up before you go that you're going to be available and this is how you, they can contact you. And that way they'll know that there's somebody already in that location if they want to, if they want to contact you. So that's something you do before you go. If you're already traveling, you can still do this, this internet research, right? You can still go on to a radio station and look for their programs. You can still use LinkedIn to try and plug that radio station in and see who the, the producers are. And here's a, an interesting thing. Very often, certain media, what I found with some radio stations and primarily business media, will have all the contact information within the first couple of pages. So you might just click on contact, and you'll have the list of their producers, as well as their contacts, like their emails, right there. Other magazines and, and TV programs make it a bit harder, so you might have to kind of look around. But here's a, here's a trick. The advertising department always wants you to get in touch with them. So they're going to make their connections really easy. They're going to have a salesperson's email. They're going to have a phone number. So if worse comes to worse, contact the advertising department of the media outlet and say, listen, I'm thinking about buying an ad. I'd like to find out information from your press kit. So press kit will very often have information about all their shows or about all their, uh, if it's a newspaper, they might have a list of all their special sections coming up. So that's one thing that they can get you. And the second thing they can get you is the actual editor's name and email. 
because advertising departments have to work with editors and producers to know what the content is beforehand so they can actually sell ads into the media outlet. So when I was at Business of Vancouver, we had a what's called an editorial calendar of all the sections coming up for the whole year. And this was created from the editorial and advertising department. So if you knew that this existed, that this editorial calendar existed, you would know what is actually being planned in that publication or in that media outlet for the following year. You could actually see. So for instance, there's hospitality and tourism is a section in this particular newspaper. And very often, business papers everywhere will have sections about business travel. They'll have sections about corporate travel. They'll have sections about business around hospitality and tourism. And these are things that a lot of travelers never think about. But they're really easy to pitch to. They're very focused. And if, you're, if you end up in a, let's say you stay at a hotel, and you see, wow, they have a really unique you know, uh, design for their meetings and corporate space, and they have a, um, a team that helps you with all your event management, then why not pitch a story about uh, events and event planning? Go to a different route. Instead of just travel, look for magazines or publications that deal with events, corporate travel, uh, the business traveler, and things like that. So all of this is available online from many publications. Not all of them, but it's a really good place to start. And when you're at the bottom of the barrel, you can't figure out how to get in touch with somebody, and you have no other option, pick up the main phone line and just dial. <laughs> You know, every magazine, when you open up, they have the first few pages, they have the masthead, and there's always a, a general information phone number. So, you know, put away your kind of like, oh, I don't want to bother people, stop the negative talk, just pick up the phone and say, I'm trying to find the contact information for the editor or the producer, can you help me out? Sometimes it works. <laughs> <laughs> Some great tips there on who to contact, how to contact them. I like the little backdoor uh, scenarios too, either doing the cold call or uh, you know getting the press trip from the advertisers. Uh, really creative ways of finding the right person. Uh, so Bela, um, uh, I was going to share a little bit of my own media story, and then we're going to use myself as a guinea pig uh, so that the people listening and viewing can maybe picture how they can actually pitch as well. Sure, so yeah. uh, my, my own media story. Uh, I first got into media for my flash mob proposal at the YVR airport when I proposed to my girlfriend, now my wife, Anne, um, and, and it got picked up by most of the major media. Uh, I was actually on the front page of the Vancouver province, which is actually the, uh, the major newspaper in British Columbia. I was in the third page of the Vancouver Sun. I was on Global, and I was on CTV, and uh, a lot of the syndicated uh, websites, too. So if you search, like, um, you know, flash mob, uh, YVR, stuff like that, I'm all over the internet. Uh, <laughs> then after that, um, no media coverage for a little bit. And then when I uh, got married and had uh, my first kid, I started daddyblogger.com, and all of a sudden, again, a whole bunch of media outlets started picking it up. Oh, there's this guy writing about fatherhood, passionate about family. Uh, let's cover him about Father's Day, and let's cover him about his book about fatherhood. And uh, now I'm in several media about fatherhood. And now, uh, obviously, now I'm a digital nomad traveling the world with my uh, wife and three kids who are all under five. And we uh, have got a lot of Canadian media, but uh, we haven't done a lot of international media. And this is where I was going to ask you, like, um, uh, what would you suggest for someone like me who's, um, you know, you know those things you mentioned, like Indian origin, uh, just turned 40, wife's Filipino. Uh, we're not the typical travelers. We're not white Caucasians uh, from North America. We're Indian Filipinos, uh, married, mixed, mixed marriage, obviously. Uh, traveling with young kids, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, um, homeschooling, world schooling, uh, volunteering while we travel, traveling in very remote, um, out-of-the-ordinary places such as uh, Brazil and Paraguay and uh, Guyana, Suriname, French Guyana, you know, not the typical uh, family destinations. So out of that, uh, what would you say are the main pitching points? Okay, so I think you, you know for sure that just being the family traveler, no matter what your backgrounds are, just being the family travel traveler has so many challenges to it. And so I would actually, you might have done this already, or just by being in the media, you might have done this, or from your blogs, is to, I think I would make a list of 
what are the, the top 10 things that you've learned about being in that scenario of having a family? Uh, and this for everybody too, one of the really good ways of finding out an interesting transferable lesson is ask yourself, what would you have done differently? What would you have told yourself five years ago? Whatever that thing is, somebody else out there needs to hear it and it's a great lesson. So those are kind of uh, what I would call operational stories, like how-to stories. How do you do this? How do you overcome the challenges? can be just directly applicable in, a, in travel magazines. Some of them are just in lifestyle magazines. Uh, when you come to something like uh, issues of finance, how did you finance the trip? What are you doing to finance the trip? That could actually be a business story. I made a note here when you said homeschooling. You know, a lot of people don't know anything about that. And, and right. hard enough to do in your own backyard, let alone when you're traveling. So. I think there would be lots of uh, lifestyle magazine and lifestyle um, uh, media outlets, uh, uh, TV shows and radio that would be really interested in learning about what that entails. And I mean, I'll ask you, like, how did you learn how to homeschool your children? What did you do? Yeah, you know, we're still learning it, but uh, we uh, use a philosophy called self-directed learning. Um, so uh, self-directed learning is uh, similar to world schooling, road schooling, um, unschooling, which means that you look for what your children are interested in and then you teach them according to that. So for example, my daughter, she just turned five and she's super interested in like the Amazon and rainforest and animals. So uh, we'll teach about those things through not just books, but actually going to the, to the rainforest and watching YouTube videos about it and then seeing what questions she has and then answering those um, and in terms of like the traditional stuff like math and writing those are stuff we have to teach through things like Khan Academy uh, the other way I've learned personally is through asking other homeschooling and world schooling parents what they have done so on these interviews that I do here on the podcast I interview a lot of parents who are world schooling their kids and that's uh, kind of the nuggets I pick out and I, I apply to our own kids yeah I think that would be a fascinating story for uh, National Lifestyle Magazine, so the equivalent of like a Canadian Living sort of thing, uh, BC Living. Now you were talking about getting coverage in Canada or, or back home. Um, so what I would do is start to what, take a look at the coverage that you've already gotten and using keywords, which I'm sure you're familiar with figuring out, to try and find them in other places. So if you were to look up and I'm, it's as simple as something like Googling, you know, lifestyle magazine Trinidad, you know, and then you would come up with whatever you came up with, as long as you put the word magazine or newspaper or, or radio program in your search. You start to come up with things, and it's a little bit of exploration. One link might lead you to another and leads you to another. You could also, I, I suggest to people, actually think of what the story would be called. So... Um, maybe if you if you were to search homeschooling in Trinidad, what would come up? Or magazine homeschooling Trinidad? Any kind of different uh, ways to mix up the keywords, and you might come up with an article that was printed in a local magazine. And so, if an article was printed about that topic in that magazine, then chances are another article could be printed on that topic in that magazine. So now you know where you can pitch to. So that's one type of way of, of going about it, to find similar content in the magazines or the TV stations around you. The other thing is there's access to many different media lists. You can actually sometimes just Google um, media outlets, Trinidad, wow. Wikipedia, and then see what comes up. And you start to get the whole list of media outlets and then you go one by one, look at their website, and see what it looks like. Uh, then the other option, of course, as you mentioned, you're finding out from other people what they do. So connecting with people within that country. So if you wanted to be published in Trinidad for what you're doing, um, speaking to other travel writers in Trinidad where they get published. Speaking to journalists to give you an idea because the journalists and the local media will know about other local media. So trying to find out from people who live there what publications they read, who they write for, 
what are the big publishing houses, just trying to use your resources on the ground to get a little bit more information. And then when it comes to pitching around the world, then it's basically going to the websites, the ones that have lists of media outlets from around the world, and going down the list and doing the legwork. There is the opportunity to send out kind of a blast media pitch. I generally don't suggest it because your chances of getting picked up are much, much higher if you can make a personal email. And it doesn't mean you have to change the email each time. It just means you make it custom made for that publication by referring to a special section or referring to their publication in the subject line and then addressing the editor. So that makes it sound like you've, you've taken that time and effort to do a custom pitch as opposed to a blast out that, you know, when you have a blast, you can't have a custom subject line and that drops the, the chance of even being opened. And reading the subject line is what editors and producers still use to open their email. They just scan through and they see something interesting, they'll open it up. If you miss that opportunity, your email is dead. So custom made is always best. Absolutely. You know, like uh, when someone pitches me, like uh, I get a lot of pitches on my blog and I can tell when someone just blasted it and just put me in the BCC line uh, be because it's so obvious. Uh, so if it's obvious to me and I'm not even like, a qualified filterer or editor or producer, uh, you know, someone who gets pitches all the time, they'll be able to tell the personal ones from the generic ones in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say um, rather than use an email service, so there are services out there, if you really do want to pitch to a number of different publications at one time, at least try and get the editor's name and input them into a, an email client. So run them through a, an Excel sheet, upload them into an email client so that at least in there, like dear Tim or dear Mary or whatever at the top of the email. Beyond that, you probably can't customize much more than that. There's some fields that you might be able to replace. But I would only use that if you were really under the gun in a time constraint or if what you had to offer was just irresistible. So if you said, hey, I'm in a youth hostel just five blocks from where that mine collapsed and they're trying to save the miners, I'm here, then that's something you can blast out because any news outlet who wants that is going to pick it up. A story like the one we mentioned about homeschooling while you travel or how do you leave a corporate job to, to travel and do this, if it's a softer story like that, a direct one-on-one -on -one custom pitch I think is far more effective. Awesome, Bela. You know, a wealth of info about uh, how digital nomads, how travel bloggers, how just anyone can get into the media. And I highly encourage uh, people who are listening and viewing that it can be you. Uh, no matter who you are, you have a unique story to tell and someone wants to hear it because your story is going to inspire others uh, to do likewise. And you have overcome your challenges to get to where you are and other people may be stuck in their spot trying to uh, get to where you are. So highly recommend getting to the media. It's a great way of uh, spreading um, your, your, your influence, uh, spreading your business, spreading your product, spreading your service, and spreading um, um, your story. So, uh, Bela, if people wanted to uh, find out about uh, the workshop, uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier, if they wanted to um, attend online, digitally, uh, or obviously fly into Vancouver if they're coming over there, um, and also if they want to maybe hire you for one-on-one, uh, as you could tell by this little segment, just when she fine-tuned my pitch in the last five minutes, she can do a great job of honing in on the right words, of uh, the right story angle. Uh, so, Bela, how can they connect with you and uh, find out more info to reach you? Yeah, so there are a couple of ways. My website always has the up-to-date information of my upcoming courses, which are going all year. And that's phase2coaching.com. That's phase2, the numeral 2. Phase2coaching.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, check out my group for people interested in getting media exposure. It's basically called Businesses Looking for Media Exposure. Very simple to say. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it's also, I think you can also search Bela's Media Group and you will find that as well. So it's a, a Bela's Media Group is the URL and businesses looking for media coverage is the, uh, the official name of the group. 
and or just you know uh, search my name and send me an IM and, and I will invite you to one of those groups and uh, I'm always posting in the the groups on Facebook when there are upcoming courses I'm posting new tips I'm posting uh, links to URLs that have lists of media uh, also when there are interviews with editors that provide information of what media is looking for I will post that as well so it's just a really good place to get any information you're interested in learning how to uh, how to get media coverage and you can find me as well from the BC Association of Travel Writers website bcatw.org um, and uh, just look under the contact I'm the president there and I'm pretty sure I have a pretty unique name so if you just google me you can find me Yes, uh, you definitely have a unique name, a unique story, and a unique way of making a difference in people's lives by getting them on the media. Uh, so uh, congratulations. You've literally helped hundreds, if not thousands, of people get into the media through your workshops, coaching, and more. Uh, if people wanted to connect with you, Bela, highly recommend people join that Facebook group. I'm part of it. Uh, high value content. Uh, you know, all those resources she mentioned on there are great. Uh, you know, uh, connect with her on her website, Facebook Coaching, and across the social media as well. And if you're interested in the BCATW, make sure you check that out as well. And I'll have those links below. If you're watching this on YouTube, they'll be in the YouTube uh, description. Or if you're on, on iTunes, they'll be in the show notes. Uh, so thanks again, Bela, and happy travels. I know you're heading on a press trip tomorrow itself. So thank you. thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, connect with us here on the interview with Digital Nomad Mastery. Nice to talk to you, and I'm very jealous that you're in Trinidad. I love Trinidad. <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely in Trinidad, and, and because of your inspiration, we'll be doing a lot more media pitches, and you'll see us being featured, and we'll share those on daddyblogger.com and across our social media. So make sure you follow us if you want to see uh, the results of this interview for me personally. Uh, so uh, make sure you check it out, uh, daddyblogger.com. Make sure you check out uh, Bela's website, uh, Phase 2 Coaching. Uh, make sure you follow us at the Digital Nomad Mastery on uh, social media, the hashtag Digital Nomad Mastery, and also website, digitalnomadmastery.com. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Subscribe and uh, leave a review as well. It really helps us as we uh, now have 70 interviews. We definitely want to get, get the news out there about all these inspiring digital nomad stories. I mean, uh, I really am so passionate about uh, learning these stories. And I'm a, I'm a media outlet, you know, a, a podcaster, a videocaster, and I'm sharing uh, their stories with the world. So thanks, everyone, and we'll see you in the next episode.